You are listening to episode 212 of This is Type 1. Today I'm solo and I'm going to share 10 lessons I've learned from flying 30 times in the last 12 months. First off, a little bit of background. I've actually been flying since I was maybe six years old. The first flight I can remember was to Disneyland in 1999. And we also went on several big family trips throughout my childhood because my dad had a great setup with Boeing and the highlights of those were trips to both Australia and New Zealand and then also Hawaii. I'd also flown solo as a teenager to California and Washington, D.C. And with my second post-college job, I flew around the country for conferences and visits to our East Coast headquarters maybe four to six times a year. So I'm not a newbie to flying. But when I started going on trips again at the end of August 2022, it was the first time I'd been on a plane since the last week of February 2020, right before COVID started. Turns out I did learn a lot from going on more flights in a single year than I ever have before. So for the sake of telling you guys how I'm counting these flights, the flights are 30 individual flight segments. So every time I got on a plane, even if there was a layover, was 30 times. That was 14 trips, and only one of those was personal. The other 13 were for work. Okay, so let's dive into those lessons. Number one, people with type 1 diabetes can pre-board. I didn't know this until I interviewed Rachel Halverson from episode 205 in early May, and that was one of her answers to my travel hacking question. It turns out when airlines call for pre-boarding, which is for anyone who needs extra time, families with small children, etc., type 1 diabetics are eligible to board because we need to ensure easy access to our supplies. How many times have you flown and worried that you would be forced to gate check your bag because the overhead bin space was too full? What if you have your supplies in that bag, which means you absolutely should not check it? Solution? Pre-board. My first flight after hearing that advice, I pre-boarded despite having stayed with my group every single time before. And the gate agent in Missoula knows me by now. Nobody asked me anything. No one interfered. Nothing. I was the second person on the plane. If a gate agent does ask, you can say that you have diabetes and need easy access to your supplies at all times. Boarding had been the biggest stressor for me ever until I learned about this tip. My biggest fear was being in group four, which was where I was placed for most of the flights on a United flight and not finding any room overhead for my bag, especially if I'm in premium economy or whatever the extra legroom seats are, because people would just put their bags there as they're walking toward the back of the plane. So if I'm in group four, there's like no bag space available where I'm sitting. I had actually started paying for priority boarding, which gets you into group two for United, but pre-boarding is free if you qualify, which we do as type 1 diabetics. As a side note, I found it kind of funny that I qualified for United's Premier Silver shortly after figuring out the pre-boarding thing. So even if I didn't pre-board, now I'd automatically be in group two. So there's that. Number two, people with type 1 diabetes and other medical problems can bring an extra medical bag on board that doesn't count as your carry-on or your personal item. That means when the gate agent asks you to consolidate your things into two bags, you can still bring three. I did this once, but I found it hard to balance the extra bag when I already had a carry-on, a personal item, and a checked bag. I didn't want to juggle four things every trip, so I just went back to stuffing my T1D supply bag, which is from Myabetic, into my backpack. Number three, when going through security, 
you should not go into the body scanner if you have a CGM or an Omnipod. But if you have a removable pump like the Tandem or the Medtronic, and you can unhook easily while in line, you can hand your pump to the TSA agent for a hand check and then go through the metal detector. Again, don't go through the body scanner if you have a CGM or an Omnipod because you would have to remove those before going through the scanner. I opted for pat-downs for nearly every trip until March when I flew to Boise from Miami. The Miami airport was absolutely seething with people, even at 6 a.m., and I didn't want to figure out how to watch my stuff when that airport can't seem to organize people efficiently. And to my surprise, it went really quickly. No, I'm totally fine with pat-downs, but let's be clear, if I'm in a hurry or my pump is easy to unhook, then just doing hand checks is so much faster, especially with TSA pre-check, which also means you are more likely to be able to go through the metal detector depending on what airport you're at. And speaking of TSA pre-check, number four, get TSA pre-check. I first got pre-check in 2016 before I got married, and then I let it lapse because it ran out during COVID and I wasn't flying in 2021. But as soon as I found out that I would be going to Denver about once a month for work, I got it again, and it saves so much time going through security, especially on the Denver side. If you've ever flown out of the Denver airport, you know it's massive, and security is always busy. I have seen general security lines in that airport stretch all the way to baggage claim. It's insane. Lesson number five, which honestly is not a lesson that I've learned in the last year of flying, but it's just a lesson in general, but be friendly with the TSA agents, especially if you're getting a pat down. I actually made an acquaintance at the Missoula airport after I found out she has type 1 diabetes, and I made another one in Denver after I kept going through the same pre-check line and sort of got to know her a little bit. It's not like I see these people every time, but it's nice to have a familiar face in the crowd and to chat for a bit, even if it's just a, hi, nice to see you kind of thing. I found that if you're friendly and willing to talk, especially about type 1 diabetes, there are opportunities for education and connection everywhere. A different TSA agent in Denver told me once that her niece had just been diagnosed, and it provided the opportunity to hand her a card for this podcast. Lesson number six, plan to go high and plan to go low. I figured out that I start going high on the way to the airport And it doesn't like to come down until I'm through security and sitting at the gate or on the plane. And this is on the Missoula side. On the Denver side, I tend to go low on the way in. Then I hover around low until I'm through. And then I start to creep back up once I'm sitting down at one of the restaurants for breakfast. And if I'm not careful, breakfast will make me skyrocket. The other thing here is baggage claim low is a thing for me. It's not necessarily a thing for every type 1 diabetic, but especially for me in Denver, when the walk from any terminal to baggage claim is as long as it is, I am bound to drop at least a little bit. So I keep Smarties easily accessible in my carry-on or in a pocket. Planning around known highs and known lows makes the trips much easier to handle, and I'm less likely to overbolus a high or overcorrect a low when they're put into their proper contexts. Number seven, Plan your food in advance if you can, especially if you have a more restrictive diet or if you have food allergies. Knowing what restaurants are available in either airport helps a lot. And pretty much every airport will have a website with a map that shows you which restaurants are where and in which concourse. You can always bring food with you if you can, but try to leave any food that involves liquids at home. 
I end up making a lot of pre-made chaffles for my flights from Missoula to Denver. And those are easy to carry on, easy to eat, and they're pretty mess-free. Now, pre-COVID, I would bring packets of keto chow in a blender bottle with me, or I would buy a tiny container of heavy whipping cream on the other side to use, and this is the other side, like after I've gotten to my hotel and stuff. And I would use that both in the keto chow and in the hotel room coffee. Now, I don't do that anymore, but it is still an option I have in my back pocket if I ever need it and want to go back to it. Knowing what food is available and where it is is also good if your flight is delayed. On one trip, my flight home from Denver was delayed by over five hours. And if I hadn't had easy access or known where to go that was close to that gate, I would have been a hangry Colleen. Lesson eight, pack light, but also pack essentials in your carry-on if you have to check a bag. That means a change of clothes, your pajamas, essential toiletries, etc. Also, never, ever, ever check your type 1 diabetes supplies or your insulin. Now, that should be a given, but it's worth a reminder for everyone out there who may be hearing it for the first time. So when I went to Miami, and this was in March, my checked bag was loaded on the plane next to mine. That plane went to Minneapolis, and I went to Miami. I didn't find out about the mix-up until I reached Miami, and my bag didn't come out. It meant that I had to go and buy some stuff to make it through at least a day until the airline fixed it and delivered my bag to the hotel a full day later. But now I do the smart thing and pack a change of clothes, PJs, and toiletries in my carry-on. So that Miami mishap was the first time my bag had ever in my life been lost or not arrived with me. So when something goes well for 24 years, you don't plan for it to go bad. (laughs) But I'm not doing that anymore. Lesson number nine. Being in shape or at least regularly active cuts down on how out of breath you'll get if you have to run through the airport with your bags. My trip to Miami had a layover in Denver that, and that layover was an hour long, I know, cutting it short. But then we spent 30 minutes de-icing in Missoula, which meant I got to the new gate, including changing terminals, thanks Denver. And at the time, I hadn't been exercising regularly other than hiking, so it was not the easiest, but I got there. Now that I've been regularly going to boxing in Orange Theory, I'm much less worried about possibly missing a layover flight because I can't breathe from running through the airport, especially if Missoula has to de-ice. Number 10, give yourself time and plan your sight and sensor changes in advance. So I have my sensor changes on my calendar, so I know not only which day I need to change it, but also when during the day my warm-up needs to be. This has let me figure out that I need to change a sensor a day early in order to avoid it expiring in the airport or in the air. I've also put on infusion sites the night before that are not fully changed with the reservoir, but just the site itself is on my body so that if my reservoir is running low, I can just pop the new one in after security and then prime the tubing in the bathroom or something like that, rather than worrying about actually putting the site on in an unfamiliar and probably unsanitary place. I think putting on the sites ahead of time has also provided the opportunity to unhook for security much easier than where the old site was, especially if one of them is on my butt and the other one is on my lower back. And then I can just easily switch between them. So hopefully this has been helpful for you. Probably the most valuable thing I've learned over the last year is that pre-boarding tip, just because of how much stress that cuts down. So if you take nothing away from this episode other than that you can pre-board, I count that as a win. So now it's your turn. I would love to hear your type 1 diabetes travel lessons. 
If I missed something that you think all T1Ds absolutely need to know about air travel in particular, please leave us a comment in the show notes or on Instagram. Remember, you control your diabetes. It doesn't control you. Hey, if you like what you're listening to on this podcast, you have to join us in the Half Dead Pancreas Club. It's my private community where you'll connect face-to-face with other people with type 1 diabetes, get personalized emotional support, and learn how to handle anything T1D throws at you. Join us over at inspiredforward.com community. I can't wait to see you there.